0: You ever felt like you uh, have been caught in uh, a no-win situation? Uh, you know, one of those uh, set of circumstances where you're between a rock and a hard place. Where, if you if you do this, there are going to be people who are upset. If you do that, there will be people who are upset with you. Uh, you're feeling the pressure. Uh, you're, you're feeling uh, the, just the, the anxiety rising in you and sometimes you get caught between two people you care very much about and you know that whatever you decide to do that, that one of them is going to be uh, disappointed. Uh, and, and maybe even in that you're looking for all the ways to get out of that stressful situation. You're you're trying to find this path to 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 get out of this, this vice that's sort of turning on you and, and and forcing you to to make a tough call. And you know if you make that call there's gonna be some fallout. It's it's a difficult situation. We're uh, continuing our series on Jesus, uh, looking through the eyes of people who have encountered him uh, through the scriptures. Uh, we, we're reminding ourselves that there are, are, there are a lot of opinions about who Christ is. And we want to make sure that our understanding of who Christ is flows from the, the tested pages, the, the Holy Spirit drenched pages of scripture, because we know that he is the image of the invisible God. And So when we can see Jesus, we see the Father. And so through these encounters of people in Jesus' day, we are allowing these pictures to be painted for us of who he is. And today, we're looking at the story of Pilate, looking through the eyes of of Pilate at, at Christ. And you'll find this story in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one giving a unique perspective on this encounter Jesus has with Pilate. Uh, this morning, I'm not going to read the text up front for you. In fact, what I want to do in this message is, is really give you this story from Pilate's perspective, to tell you the story from, from Pilate's perspective, from his angle on this, this particular encounter that he has with Jesus. And I just want to encourage you to, to just lean into the story and and. And grapple with the story behind the story, because as I share with you, uh, I've gathered information from Roman h- historians of the day, from uh, names like Josephus or Tacitus, uh, f- uh, information from a Jewish theologian named Philo, who, who really helps us understand what's happening uh, leading up to this encounter that Pilate has with Jesus. And of course, we'll, we'll deal with the story that unfolds on this momentous day when Pilate condemns Christ to be crucified, but before we do that, would you pray with me, please? Lord, we are truly grateful that you are never shaken. You are—you were never taken by surprise. Lord, you are—you're faithful. And uh, today, Lord, as we gather, we have all had—well, we've had a variety of circumstances that we've faced this past week. And we come perhaps joyful, perhaps some of us with some hard situations where we're dealing with sorrow, Uh, maybe having come through this last week just thankful that we survived it. But today, Lord, we've gathered together as family, and we thank you that we have already heard from you and we want to continue to hear from you as we look at your word. So, Lord, I ask and pray you'd fill me with your spirit, that your very indwelling presence, would empower me to do something that I am not capable of. And Lord, that you would use the words that I would speak as your words and that you'd feed our souls today. Grant us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us, whether it's just a whisper, a sentence, a paragraph, whatever it would be. Lord, we want to continue to encounter you today. So have your way among us, we pray in your name. Amen. I was backed into a corner. Uh, they were putting the squeeze on me. I was feeling the pressure. I was stuck between two kings. One, Caesar, who rules the Roman Empire, and another mysterious king called the King of the Jews. I was, I was being squeezed. I was being backed into this corner, and I was looking for a lot of ways to get out, but I, I couldn't find a way out. My name is Pilate, Pontius Pilate. I'm the governor of the area called Judea. In fact, I I was mentored for a position like this by a man named Sejanus. He was a governor of Palestine, and and he was a friend of Caesar. That title in and of itself means that this is one who's distinguished as loyal to Caesar. Sejanus, he mentored me, prepared me for an assignment like this one, And I was surprised that I was given control of Palestine and Judea. It's an area that is, well, nobody wants this assignment. Nobody wants to govern Palestine. Sejanus, my mentor, uh, went on to another assignment. In fact, shortly after he went to another assignment, he made some decisions that were, were deemed as disloyal to Caesar, and Caesar unfriended him and had his head cut off. So here I was in this new region, a new governor, mentor for a position like this, leading in a region where the people are literally ungovernable. They were so difficult to lead. And so I began my reign, I began my rule with the purpose of letting these people know who was in charge. I was going to flex a little Roman muscle I was going to let them know who Pontius Pilate is. And so I, I arrived in Jerusalem with my soldiers. And we rode into the city with Roman standards, uh, these, these tall poles with the decorum of Rome on them, with the bust of Caesar on the top of the Roman standards. And I set them up in Jerusalem and I made a show of force. Right away, the Jewish people went crazy. They they began to be very upset with me because of these Roman standards. They said that the, the bust of Caesar on the Roman standards was a graven image, an idol against their religious laws, and they were very upset with me, but I was not gonna budge because I was the prefect of Judea. I went to bed that first night in my palace at the Praetorium in Jerusalem. Woke up the next morning to see that there was a throng, that there was a crowd of Jewish people who were sitting around my palace. They were performing a sit-down strike because of the Roman standards and the bust of Caesar or the graven image. I decided I'd wait them out. My friends, my contemporaries back in Rome, they described me as friendless, ruthless, stern... And stubborn, maybe, but for certain I was stubborn. And I was just going to wait this situation out. And so one day passed, two days passed. On the third day I got up and the, the throng was still out there surrounding my palace. I waited a fourth day. On the fifth day I lost my cool. This was it. I marched my soldiers out with swords drawn. And I announced to the people that if they did not get up and leave the praetorium, that I would have my soldiers cut off their heads. Do you know what the Jewish people did? They took their robes, draped them back over their shoulders, and stretched out their necks and said, cut off our heads. Even I was a little bit surprised by their stubbornness. And I backed down. But before you think that Jerusalem was getting the edge on me, like they were ahead 1 0, I still was going to let them know who was in charge. We had our Roman shields that had the bust of Caesar on it as well. And so I decided that I was going to take down the standards and I would take these Roman shields and I would find the perfect place to set them up to remind the people that Rome was ruling this land. So I went to their temple. And found the perfect spot. This place they call the the holy place. I took my shields and I set them up in the holy place. So that when the priests went went into the temple to, to minister in this place. They would see that Caesar ruled Israel. And of course the people went crazy. And I enjoyed it. They were upset with me, and I just sort of enjoyed the fact that they were, they were realizing that Pilate was ruling them, that they weren't calling the shots around here. And then I found out that four sons of Herod, four sons of Herod had been dispatched, and they went to Rome, and they 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 had a, a meeting with Caesar. They had an audience with Caesar, and they told Caesar about the shields. Caesar issued a decree on parchment, put his seal on it, sent it back with the four sons of Herod. The four sons of Herod stood before me with this parchment and gave it to me. I opened it up, and I was infuriated that they had gone behind my back and gone to Rome. And I was a bit hurt that Caesar had undermined my authority and issued the decree that the shields be removed from the holy place. These people were irritating me. But, although it may seem like it was Jerusalem 2 and Pilate 0, I wasn't done letting them know who was in charge. I wasn't done flexing my Roman muscle. When I was in the temple, I discovered that they had this this thing they called the temple treasury. It's where they give their offerings, their, their holy monies, and so I made a, a withdrawal from the temple treasury. I took their monies and I began to use their monies to, to build Roman aqueducts all throughout the land to, to bring water to cities. It was, a, it was a humanitarian project. And I knew that they would be upset. So when the crowd gathered, when the riots began to take place, I had already planned to have Roman soldiers with robes over them, hiding, disguising them uh, amongst the crowd. They were carrying clubs with them. And Roman soldiers dispersed throughout the crowd as they were rioting. When the signal was given, when the the trumpet was blown, the Roman soldiers threw off their outer robe and took their clubs and began beating the Jews beating them into submission. Yes, a few of them died, but they needed to know who was in charge. And I wasn't done. It was two to one, and I was making my comeback. And since the Jews seemed to be so bothered by graven images, I would call the next thing I did a grand slam. A grand slam because... As was my right, I struck new coins for the land. On one side of the coin, I put the image of Caesar. On the other side of the coin, I put the images of pagan Roman gods. And now, in every Jewish pocket, in every purse, there would be a graven image, an idol. Pilate 5, Jerusalem 2. I'd let them know. Who was more clever and who was in charge? And there was all these revolts happening all throughout the land. There was this folklore of a Messiah that was going to rise up and and push off uh, any foreign domination that was in the land. And so I was squelching rebellions all the time. And one time there were known uh, known, uh, rebels that were in the temple. They were sacrificing in the temple. They were from Galilee. You can read about this story in Luke chapter 13 in your Bible. I sent my soldiers in there and they they murdered these Galilean rebels right there in the temple. And yes, some of their blood got mixed in with the temple sacrifices, but that was just the Pontius Pilate touch to let people know I was in charge. And this incensed the Jewish leaders. And like children being bullied on the playground, they ran to their teacher who ran to the principal. And they sent people back to Rome. And I got called into the principal's office. I had to appear before Caesar. I was a little nervous. So Janice, my mentor, had been called before Caesar and been unfriended. Perhaps... Perhaps my life was coming to an end. Maybe I had gone too far. Caesar mentioned to me that I had very little margin left for error. And sent me back to Palestine. To rule this people. This uh, ungovernable people. Cautiously. As I made my way back to Palestine, I knew that I was on thin ice with Rome. I... Needed to be more pliable, and I came back to rule in Palestine. And it was shortly after that that I met the man they called Jesus. I was on thin ice with Rome. I I had I had flexed my muscle to the degree that now my position as governor was was tenuous. I had to be very careful. I had to be very political. Otherwise, my life might be over, my career might be done. And I was in Jerusalem on a Friday. I didn't live in Jerusalem, I lived in Caesarea, but I went down to Jerusalem whenever there was a festival because all of Israel would gather and, and I needed to be there to make sure that nothing out of the ordinary happened. I needed to make sure that that the sovereign power of Rome was on display. Nothing got out of hand. And so I was there when they were celebrating the festival they call Passover. It was a Friday. I'll never forget it. It was a Friday morning when the Jewish leaders came to me and gave me a man they called Jesus. They said he was an evildoer, they said he was a criminal. I looked at him and knew right away he was not a criminal. And I gave Jesus right back to the Jews. You need to understand that the Jews, they had authority to handle religious law, religious matters, and enforce them. I I enforced the the civic laws or the, the, the political reign of Rome in Palestine. This man was no threat to Rome. I gave him back to the Jews. And then the Jews gave Jesus back to me. They said that he was was leading a seditious uh, agitation. That he was leading rebellions. That he was, in fact, telling people not to pay taxes to Caesar. In fact, that he was saying that he was a king. Well, I needed to interview this man they called Jesus. And so... I brought Jesus into my praetorium because the Jewish leaders wouldn't come into the palace. They said it would defile them religiously, which is ironic, considering what they wanted to do with this man. I brought Jesus into the palace, and I asked him the question, are you the king of the Jews? Because if he says yes, then I'll deal with him severely. If he says no problem solved. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus asked me, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? Now wait a minute here. I'm the one asking the questions. I replied, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it You have done. Jesus said to me, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, I said to Jesus. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? I went back out to the Jews and I said, I find no basis for charge against this man. And the Jews began to to talk about revolts being led and and cast more accusations against Jesus to me. And quickly I could see through this scheme. Jesus was a problem for them. Jesus was a problem for them that they couldn't solve, but they wanted me to solve. They were backing me into a corner because they wanted to be rid of this man called the king of the Jews. As I listened to their story, I heard that he had been, listen, or he had been initiating revolts all around the land, starting in Galilee, and that was my first opportunity to pass Jesus off. You see, Galilee is Herod's territory. So I sent Jesus to Herod, who was in Jerusalem, for the festival as well. Done with. I was being backed in the corner, but now Jesus is Herod's problem to solve. That was until Herod sent him back to me, because Herod could not find any basis to charge Jesus. A crowd was gathering now. There was a crowd gathering around the praetorium, and they were, they were calling out for the life of Jesus. They were saying that he must die, but I knew that he was an innocent man, but I was stuck between these two kings, between Caesar, who I was on thin ice with, and these Jewish leaders who I know if I didn't do what they wanted, they would go and tell Caesar. And so being the the generous and kind leader that I am, every Passover, I would release, release a prisoner. And so I sent my, my servants to find me the most heinous criminal. Find me the man with the most blood on his hands. Bring him to me. And what I would, I would do is I would set up Jesus and this criminal, and I would let the crowd choose who they wanted free. There was no way they would choose a criminal over this man. And they found for me, ironically, a man that church tradition says his name was Jesus Barabbas. I had Jesus Barabbas, and I had Jesus, the king of the Jews. Jesus Barabbas, he was a criminal. He was a thief. He mugged people. He was a murderer. He led revolts. He had broken a multitude of Jewish laws. And then here was Jesus, the king of the Jews, who I had heard had healed the sick, fed thousands, apparently even raised the dead. Although I can't confirm that. Two Jesuses, one that uh, was, well, more like uh, Osama bin Laden and another like more like Mother Teresa. I mean, well, who would you choose? <laughs> who do you want roaming the streets? Do you know who they chose? They chose Osama. I mean Barabbas. Jesus, Barabbas, Jesus literally means Jesus, Barabbas, Jesus, son of the father. Over Jesus, son of the father. Jesus, son of God. They chose the criminal. And then they began shouting, crucify him, as I asked, what shall I do then with your king? And they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I was being backed into a corner. They were putting the squeeze on me. I, I was between these two kings, Caesar and Jesus, and I, I didn't know what to do. I was trying in every way to get out. I'd, I'd given Jesus back to the Jews. I'd sent Jesus To Herod, I tried to to offer Jesus to be set free. None of that worked. And so I chose to have Jesus scourged. You need to know that in in the Roman penal system, there's there's three different types of scourgings or whippings. The the first type is is very painful, but it's meant to just teach a lesson. The second type of, of, of whipping or flogging is a little more severe. It's not debilitating. You'll recover. But it's very painful. The third type of a whipping is called scourging. It's only given to someone who has been sentenced to die. It's the, the death before the death. And we do it just to speed up the process a little bit. Well, I chose... To have Jesus scourged, even though he was not condemned to die, I chose to have him scourged. And so I sent him off with my soldiers, and they took a whip that was made of leather straps with pieces of bone and metal in it. And they struck the back of Jesus, and the whip pulled his flesh off. Bones were visible. His entrails were visible. And I brought him back to the people. He was dressed now in a a purple robe by my soldiers and a crown of thorns on his head. It was humiliating. This man was humiliated. He was so shamed. I brought him before the people thinking, surely this is enough. Surely this will appease whatever this Jesus has done. Surely this will put an end to it. I'll get out of the squeeze that I am in. So I brought him out to the people, and I said, Behold the man! And the people cried with bloodlust for his death. They cried that, that he would be put to death. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When I heard that, I, I was more afraid. I began to panic. In fact, my wife last night, that last night, my wife had nightmares about Jesus. She sent a messenger messenger to me right when I was about to make judgment on this man Jesus sent a messenger to me saying have nothing to do with this man believe me I was doing everything I could to have nothing to do with this man they call Jesus I brought Jesus back into the palace when I heard that he claimed to be the son of God and I asked him where do you come from He wouldn't answer me. I, I asked him again, where do you come from? Jesus refused to speak to me. And I said, to him, don't you realize that I have the power to set you free or condemn you to death? Then Jesus did answer. And he said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, I tried to set Jesus free. But the the Jews, they kept shouting and they kept shouting this. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Oh, those words were heavy. If I let this man go, I know that these religious leaders are going to make a trip to Rome and they're going to talk to Caesar and say that I've been been disloyal. Yet I know that this, this mysterious man, this mysterious king of the Jews, is innocent. And I want to set him free. I'm doing everything I can to set him free. But then the Jews say, anyone who claims to be a king... Opposes Caesar. I was being backed into a corner. I was stuck between two kings. I was doing everything I could to set Jesus free. I sent him back to the Jews. I sent him to Herod. I tried to offer him to be set free, but they chose Barabbas. I had him scourged to try and appease their anger. And now the crowd is shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! And so I went to the judgment seat, what's called the stone pavement, pavement Gabbatha. And I went there and I washed my hands. And I said to the crowd and the chief priests and the religious leaders and said, I find this man innocent. His blood is not on my hands. To which the chief priests shouted back to me, Let his blood be on us and on our children. And after washing my hands, I sentenced Jesus to die. I was backed into a corner. I did everything I could to set Jesus free. I didn't want Him to die. I didn't want Him to be crucified. I knew that He was innocent. I knew that He was a problem for the Jews. And believe me, I didn't want to help the Jews. But I was on thin ice with Rome. And I got backed into a corner. I had squeeze put on me I tried to wash my hands of the whole ordeal and I couldn't help it I sentenced Jesus to die you know it's an interesting thing as I think about men who have stood before me about to be sentenced to death They plead. They squirm. They beg for mercy. They cry out saying they're a changed man. They give all kinds of excuses. Some even get angry and toss insults my way. In that whole time, on that Friday morning, when Jesus stood before me, He never squirmed. He never defended himself. He never offered excuses. He never even, well, he never even cast an accusation back at them. It was as if he had to die. I wish I had the courage to do the right thing. I wish I had the courage to take a stand for what I knew, what was right. But they had me backed up into a corner. They were putting the squeeze on me, and I had to save my own skin. And I sentenced Jesus to die. And perhaps you're here today. And you find yourself in a situation that you would describe as a classic no win situation. You're between a rock and a hard place. And maybe you're squirming. And maybe you're trying your best to defend yourself. Perhaps caught between two people you care deeply about. Perhaps caught between two neighbors. Perhaps caught between the corporate office and your employees. And you're trying to look for a way out. And the Spirit is saying to you today, will you choose what is right, even though there may be a personal price for you. You see, he he is the Jesus who's not afraid to be mocked. He's the Jesus who's not afraid to be ridiculed. He's the Jesus who's not even afraid of pain and suffering. He's the Jesus who's not afraid to lose his dignity. He is the Jesus who chooses the right thing so that we may be able to enjoy the best things. He is your Christ who went to the cross for you.